I just want to welcome you now if you are joining us on Sermon Audio or on one of our podcasts. A special welcome to those listeners in the United States. In fact, the bulk of our listeners right now are uh, in the United States. So, a special welcome to you. And we shall be discussing now then the second chapter in this book of Jonah and so we started last week and we found it was an unusual book because it's not about prophecies by Jonah it's rather the life uh, well it's rather an account in the episode account of uh, just one episode in in his life and we looked at how different elements in the story spoke about God's greatness and his sovereignty over all creation but as a whole I propose the book should be seen even more so as a a declaration of God's grace abounding to even the worst of sinners you might remember that I cautioned against having any sort of judgmental attitude towards the actions of Jonah We remember that any uh, goodness or lack of rebellion in us, we said it was a consequence of God's grace. And it's not because we're better behaved, you know, by nature. But with that caution being said, we were still able to see and learn from Jonah's fault. Even when the story reached the point of his confession of faith remember on board the ship during the storm we were still left wondering just how sincere he was because every one of us Jonah included we are prone to just regurgitating biblical truths yet not living by them and And as we go on as Christians, we can even grow in our zeal for those truths while remaining um, static in respect of letting those truths dictate how we live. We can become become great um, defenders of the faith whilst having a severe lack in those qualities that are meant to emerge from those truths like like love there might be a lack of love for example so really today I have two main points for you so firstly I'd I'd like to look at uh, Jonah's descent into that pit of trouble that he got himself into and secondly I'd like us to see his deliverance by God and all this really is just another excuse for me to talk about the salvation found in Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. So the first point is then about Jonah's descent. At the start of the story, we saw uh, Jonah in rebellion to God. Remember, he's been given this mission and he runs away from it. And we wondered, didn't we, how... What on earth he was thinking, running away from God? Inevitably, uh, God pursued him. 
and we remember that God will pursue all those in rebellion against him. Now, thankfully for us, he pursued us all right, but he pursued us in love and not in wrath. When he caught up with us, his people, he it was really to halt us and to re- reveal to us existence as it really is. And our eyes were opened and we... And with this vision, we we saw just how universal sin is. We saw how great God is and how much he hates sin. And and then we saw the Calvary 2,000 years ago, that event. It was all about us. So you remember that last week, if you were with us, that I... I was prompted to focus on the greatness of God because of the frequency in here of the word great and its associated words like exceeding or something. And so this time I was led to consider Jonah's descent because of another aspect of the story. Going down, the term itself and the thought behind it keeps cropping up. So what do I mean? Let's look again at the first chapter. It says in verse 3 that Jonah went down to Joppa. And in the same verse, it says that he went down into the boat. And when he was on the boat in verse uh, 5, obviously he he went down into the bowels of the ship to, to sleep. And then in verse 15 was when he got thrown in the sea. And so he went down underwater. He went down. He went down, down, down. And this imagery of a gradual descent should prompt us to think about how he had descended uh, inwardly. And we'll expand on that uh, a little bit later. So in chapter 2, and looking at verse uh, 6, it sounds like Jonah reached the seabed. Now there's part of the Mediterranean that's extremely deep. And so we we don't know where he was, but there's, you know, most of it is that deep that you you couldn't make it to the bottom. You know, so he was maybe um, not, not too far from the the coast and it it says there about the the mountains he went to the base of the mountains and and obviously the bases of some mountains uh, are are actually in the sea that's where that's where they begin and so well we don't know whether he grew tired whether he he was treading water uh, and just got tired or whether he was he was pulled down by some underwater current but he was underwater long enough to believe that the depths of the sea would become his sheol his grave so Jonah's prayer takes up the most of obviously the most of chapter two and it, it begins with a reference to the belly of hell and you might assume you might assume the belly is that of the whale. 
But it sounds to me more like a reference to being in the sea. He was about to drown. So the whale was God's means for saving him. Now don't be don't be misled by that word hell. There are obviously many believers who think when they see that word it must mean a place of eternal torment. And that teaching is just coming from an awful lot of pulpits. And so I need to say again, hell in the King James Bible, it's a translation of several words, several different words with with, with slightly different meanings. But but generally when the word is used by itself, it simply means death. So it's for that reason we can say Jesus, you know, Jesus himself went down to hell. He went down into grave. He died it is all it means. Now, I can also refer to the place of punishment, which has been uh, fitted out by God for all those who die unrepentant, although it's it's usually then accompanied by another word. So, for ha- for example, we'll have hell fire, hellfire, and then we know then it's talking about the the place of punishment. In fact, most uh, more like recent translations of the Bible, they don't they've avoided using that word hell, which can cause some confusion, and they just use the original word. The original Hebrew word there is sheol. Out of the belly of sheol, I cried. And so that just means death. And now the ancients, they preferred to picture Sheol as a, as a place that the dead sort of travel to. But it's more useful if you understand it as it is. It's a, it's a reference simply to the grave. Now this, this emotive prayer of Jonah's was really, it was wrenched out of him through those extreme circumstances. It's really a prayer about him being in trouble and God delivering him. Now, it hasn't gone unnoticed by Bible students that Jonah avoids owning up to his sin in this prayer. Now, it's clear he was he was definitely overwhelmed with relief and he gave thanks to God and all that was sincere. But how full a repentance it was it is harder to to see it it's ironic isn't it that jonah had done his utmost to get away from god but when he feels he's really been abandoned by god he's grieved by it and he even says how much he looks forward to seeing god again <laughs> but you see believers we don't do so well being apart from god now now, okay, you, you may have not have, have run away from God like Jonah did, but you, you sort of do when you neglect to spend time with God. If, say, that you allow, if you allow the responsibilities, proper responsibilities, perhaps, of this world, or just recreation, uh, to prevent you from hearing God's word and from praying to him, then you as well, you, you you as well, might be. You may as well be getting on a plane to Mexico to escape God, you know, like 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 Jonah did. You, you may as well be doing that. 
any Christian who's been in that awful situation, and I have, where they, you know, where we've distanced distanced ourselves uh, from God, we know what a miserable experience it is. On the one hand, we know the way back to fellowship with God is through fervent prayer and owning up. But that's the thing. On the other hand, we want to put off approaching God because we have a lot of explaining to do. But Jonah did pray to God and God delivered him from his troubles. So we'll think about how God did save him. So if you think about the prayer as we read it, it's, it's relaying to us how he was crying out to God when he was about to drown. Right? But the prayer itself, as, as we've read it, was made from inside of the the big sea creature. I can't think of a weirder place for someone to be praying from. We don't we don't know the ins and outs of it, you know, where where, where he was. Was he in <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I just don't know whether he was um you know, sort of all squashed up, but it would have been dark, um, claustrophobic. The smell would have been pretty unbearable. Um, a, a pretty, a pretty uh, horrible place. But he, but he understood that it meant he hadn't drowned. So it was a weird place to pray from, but it should encourage us because we realise. Through this, that God can hear us no matter where we are, no matter how we are, the condition of our hearts, no matter when we are. And Jonah knew God had heard his cry for help. Uh, verse 2. How did he know? Because God sent help. In verse 3, uh, if you take note, Take note that uh, Jonah, he talks about God throwing him in the sea. God throwing him in the sea? Wait a minute. Wasn't it the sailors who threw him in? Of course it was. But Jonah ascribes it to God. Interesting. And we see the same thing in the life of Job. All these terrible things happening to him. And we, we, we know Satan was responsible in a way for it all. But Job confesses God did it to him. Now probably the most common view in the church today is not what the Bible teaches in, in this respect. A wonderful Christian friend of mine was telling me a while back about how they'd nearly been in an accident on the motorway. And as we talked about it, I mentioned something about God sending these things for a reason. And my friend was really shocked and almost offended because they thought it impossible that a God of love would cause such bad things. He wouldn't send such bad things, especially to his own people. Friends, whenever our lives are impacted by disease or accident or anything negative like that, we should acknowledge 
God's hand in it. And we should pray to him and tell him we believe that he sent it into our lives. And we pray that he would quickly show us what the lesson is, what we're meant to learn from this. If you belong to God, you must have this assurance that all things come to pass for your benefit. Just as an aside, I noticed, I noticed, uh, you'll, you'll notice a nice pattern in this uh, this prayer. There's a, a cycle cycle going on where Jonah talks about the trouble he's in and then moves on to something positive. And so you have um, verse 3, you know, out of the belly of hell I cried, but you heard my prayer. And in verse 4, you know, I'm cast out of your sight, but I'll worship you in your temple again. Uh, another one in verse um, 7. Uh, my life was about to uh, faint away, but my prayer reached you. It's, it, it is quite a poetic construction of Jonah's. Now, let's think about that fish for a minute, because uh, even while the storm was raging up above and all this goings on with the crew and Jonah, the fish was already in the vicinity. And as Jonah uttered his last prayer to God when he was underwater, seconds away from drowning, the fish's mouth was already open to swallow him and save him at that last moment and presumably then as soon as he'd been swallowed he was he would be able to find a pocket of air and take a huge gasp and realize god had saved his life it is pretty mind-blowing when you think of how god uh, prepares answers to our prayers well in advance of us praying and I'll go further than that and say that the preparations God makes for the answers to your prayers are being made even before any problem arises. So even now, even right now, God is organising deliverance for problems which haven't even entered your life. So much wisdom, so much love. When you when you listen to that prayer of Jonah's, the style of it will sound very familiar to you. Now, of course, you'll think, well, that's partly because I've read it several times, many times maybe, and that's why it sounds familiar. But actually, uh, part of the reason it sounds so familiar to us, it's a scriptural prayer, and that is the whole... Um, the whole prayer is based on the Hebrew scriptures, and I thought it would be—I thought it would be useful just for a, a minute to compare what Jonah prayed with some quotes from the Psalms to show you to show you what I mean. So we have—not um, sure if you can see that or it's too small—but I'll, I'll read this out anyway. You have. You have in uh, the, the psalmist saying, In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Jonah says, I cried because of my affliction, 
and he heard me. The psalmist, all thy waves and billows have gone over me. Jonah, all thy billows and waves passed over me. <laughs> Psalm 31, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Jonah, I am cast out of thy sight. The psalmist, the waters are coming unto my soul. Jonah, the waters compass me about, even to the soul. The psalmist, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me. Jonah, when my soul fainted within me. The psalmist says, he heard my voice out of his temple. Jonah says, my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. Psalm 31, them that regard lying vanities. Jonah, they that observe lying vanities. And later on in the Psalms, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Jonah, I will sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. The psalmist, I will pay my vows unto the Lord. Jonah, I will pay that that I have vowed. And in Psalm 3, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Jonah says, salvation is of the Lord. Well, we can see there that in this, this most, probably the most dangerous thing that ever happened in Jonah's life, Jonah drew on scripture. And you'll remember that perhaps that uh, Jesus did the same, as did the apostles. Uh, and many of God's people down the centuries have continued in that, in that good habit. We pray about all kinds of stuff. And so we, we put these prayers together in our minds. And it's based on an understanding of God and how he works. And so we hope that we are praying in a way you know, acceptable to God, that we're not saying anything stupid or unbiblical. And so we hope that the prayers reflect biblical truth. So, for, for example, we, we, we'll ask God to deliver us from trouble because we know from the scriptures he is a God who delivers his people from trouble. But we make our strongest case to God when we use the scriptures themselves when we quote the, the Bible in our prayers, we have that absolute confidence that what we're saying at that moment is true. And also we can use God's words to persuade him. After all, if God's made a promise, we can hold him to that. And, and he likes us to, to hold him to, to, to his promises. Now, Jonah's prayer isn't a model one. It's got... It's, it's poetic, it's got a lovely structure and he quotes extensively from the scriptures so in all those ways it, it, it's a good prayer but it's not a model one we, we shouldn't try to you know, um, make our prayers like his it's, it's limited, you know but Jesus, however, he did teach us how to pray didn't he, in what's it's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer um, now I, I'd never criticise anyone for, for praying this prayer of Jesus word for word people do it because they think well if Jesus said that it, it must be pretty it's going to be better than anything we can come up with well hang on a minute we need to be a bit mature about this it was given as a model prayer it gives us the main elements of prayer it's saying remember start with you know praise Acknowledge your sin, make your requests, and so on. 
So Jesus really, you know, he wanted us to identify those different aspects of the prayer, then use them as a basis for our own prayers. What he really wants is us for each of us to pray from our heart, not just quote a prayer from memory uh, every week. So, so Jonah's prayer isn't a model, but it's taught us something, hasn't it? It's taught us... Uh, it's good to include Bible references in our prayers. And as we listen to Jonah tell us how God heard him, it encourages us in our own prayers. God heard his voice. God gave him an assurance he would live to worship another day. God saved his life. And so we'll have a little think now about the God of salvation so if you think about the descent the descent of Jonah well it's not just Jonah is it it's it's mankind in general we have the first man Adam he descended into disobedience God sentenced Adam he cursed him difficulties were introduced into his life his body would begin a slow process of deterioration too, which would result in him dying. A concept at first alien to that first couple. But God decreed as well that Adam's family would share in his case, and by Adam's family, I mean all his descendants, the whole human race. And before anyone objects, just to show how proper it was for God to extend this case down the centuries to us, remember that we sin willfully. We sin deliberately. We come into this world sinning extravagantly. And we've shown by that behaviour that we identify with our father Adam. Sin came into the world and sin brought death. So man by nature is dead spiritually and he'll get to taste physical death too. The full extent of the, the consequences of sin. But once again, God was already working on a solution. The, the development of his great antidote to sin began even before sin came into the world and his solution was at the same time uh, brilliant it was costly it was loving it was bloody he'd come into the world in human form and somehow sacrifice himself to save others God would appear in the f in flesh in the form of a man um, not just in the appearance of man, but a real man. And that man was Jesus, and he would be killed. And in all this, somehow God's nature would not be compromised. So, you can see that Jonah can be presented here, as I've done, he can be presented as a type of the sinner. He, he's, he pictures for us man descending into sin, but being delivered by God but 
we also see in Jonah a type of Jesus Christ himself. Think about the similarities. The tempest, the tempest that Jonah found himself at the centre of, it's like the, that whole violent storm of God's anger towards sin and sinners. Yes, you heard me right. God's anger and fury against actual sinners, not just sin. What else? Jonah understands he has to die so that others might live. Jonah delivers himself into the hands of the heathen. He's fully prepared to die to save them. In his near-death experience, he considers himself to already be in the grave. And then, by God's power and mercy, he is, if you like, raised from the dead, so to speak. So... In the same way, Jesus placed himself in the hands of the heathen to be killed by them. And the incredible irony was that his self-sacrifice would be the means by which millions of the heathen would come to have their sins wiped out and they would receive eternal life. Salvation, Jonah confesses, is of the Lord. Salvation is of God. He invented it before the world was formed. He secured it in the provision of a saviour, Jesus Christ. And he applies it to his elect people through the ministry of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. So that it was then that the that the Messiah that the Hebrews spoke about, he became the saviour of the whole world. And it was in his descent into the earth, his descent then into the grave itself, that he was a suitable replacement for us, a substitute. So when a person, are you listening, folks, if you are not right now belonging to Jesus, when... You throw yourself at the mercy of God. You discover that you in a way have descended with Christ into the grave. And you'll come to see in some equally mysterious way. That you rose with him from the dead. The world. The world around us today. Are the. They're the heathen aren't they? The heathen of the Bible. Now, before our conversion, we were the modern-day heathen sailors. We were the modern-day Ninevites. The message that came to us, each one of us in a different way, is what we now pass on to them. Salvation comes from God alone. And we promise those people that if they pray for salvation, God will give it then those people they experience what Jonah did and what is the possession of all of us today who, who walk in his ways 
we have this joyful mixture of God's love, uh, kindness, faithfulness and grace. And even, you know, after these people, after they've repented and after they've prayed and they've trusted and they continue with God their whole lives, they come to see more and more clearly how their holy attitudes and actions were themselves from God. He gets all the glory. When I see Jonah, and I expect to, I'll tell him he was right about that one thing. Salvation is all of God. Well, may the grace of God now uh, bless all you who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. It's been a pleasure, brother and sister, brothers and sisters, I, I, uh, and uh, inquirers. Uh, I, I can't see you, but I know there are people out there, and, and I do pray. I do pray that um, primarily for the Church of God that they would be uplifted as they hear the word preached and also for those who are just hanging around the outside, just hanging around the door of God's kingdom, unsure. I, I pray for you as well that you might knock on that door and seek entry. And how do you do that? You do that through praying to God, confessing to your sin, sincerely, wholly, confessing your sin, telling God you're sick of yourself and you're sick of sin, you're sick of Satan and you want to turn around and have a new life with God, that you want forgiveness of sins, that you're begging him for that. And in doing all that, you will also receive not just an avoidance of the horrible consequences uh, of sin, which is an eternal hell of torment, not just avoiding the bad, but gaining something, even eternal life in a new paradise of God's. We pray, I pray, that that will be the case with each of you who don't yet know God fully. I will see some of you on Wednesday at our, our meeting, but for the rest of you, Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening today. And uh, the Lord bless you in the week ahead with a, a greater knowledge uh, of himself.